0: The Raw Rugby Podcast Hello and welcome to The Raw Rugby Podcast I'm Brett McKay The July tests are behind us in the Southern Hemisphere and your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion as we edge closer to the rugby championship is theraw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate Fantastic to have Rob Kitson on the pod last week Really enjoyable chat ahead of what turned out to be a fascinating final weekend of Test Rugby. And thanks so much to everyone who got around the instant reaction pod as well after England and Ireland claimed their respective series. You can do the same under the new episode page each week on The Raw, or you can hit Harry and I up on the socials. And joining me this and every week is that man, and a man who now knows a whole lot more about the rugby scene in Luxembourg than he did 48 hours ago, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you? How's it, Britt? And good morning Luxembourg. Good morning Luxembourg, indeed. We should we we need to we need to explain this, mate. We we debuted in another rugby chart this week. We debuted at number one, in fact, uh, on the Luxembourg rugby ratings, which is fantastic news. And so then we put out a bit of a call out on on Twitter and say, "Come on, there must be some listeners somewhere." And we got a reply from Midnight Mangler on Twitter, who told us all about the Luxembourg rugby scene, didn't he?
1: Yeah.
0: South African guy, Safa. Yeah.
1: So I, all I know about it, I was there when I was 11 years old. Um, I got accused of shoplifting in Luxembourg. I was just picking up a croissant to look at it. I didn't know you couldn't do that. And the shopkeepers were mad. Uh, I learned that there was, um, they spoke three languages there. And one of them is called like Luxemburger. But no one uh, else speaks it, like, it in the world. Is it yeah. like Pigeon
0: English? Yeah, yeah, gotcha.
1: It's not like German, it's kind of weird. Yeah, though. right.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. look at. But we're very, oh. very
1: happy to to to, uh, to welcome. So that's Norway, Luxembourg, Hong Kong, Singapore.
0: Just yep. like
1: the small, the small, the small market.
0: And and the offer stands. We, we've made this. We've made this uh, offer before, and, and it stands. Anyone from Norway or Singapore or the United Arab Emirates, wherever you're listening to, wherever you're listening to us from. Get in touch with Harry and I via Twitter, at Harry Baldy Jones or at BMC Sport, and let us know, and we will absolutely give you a mention. So, uh, day to Midnight Mangler. Welcome aboard. Uh, On to this week's guest, mate, um, and a very interesting little situation over the ditch suddenly. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the pod's new Fiji studios we go this week, and from there, it's a timely welcome return to the Raw Rugby Podcast for for Kiwi freelance rugby writer and commentator Jamie Wall, hello, mate. How are you? Jamie, um, all of a boys.
2: Um, <laughs> Very good. Again, uh, it's uh, yeah, pretty auspicious time to be um, speaking about New Zealand rugby right now, especially yeah, exactly yeah. right now because it's yeah. uh, it's all team off on um, on social media as we speak.
0: True, uh, true, true or false, mate? You have had to flee to Fiji to get away from it all. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, you, you'd think so, but um, no, I'm actually I'm actually up here for work. I'm, I'm here for pretty much the whole month. So, I'm as a journalist, as I'm sure you both can probably um, probably imagine, I'm actually quite gutted to be missing all of this because <laughs> it's gone from it's gone from bad to worse to just like even more worse and bizarre over the last yeah.
0: two hours. So. Um, what's, I um, really what's, seen like, any- what's the big
1: controversy
0: right now, Jamie? It's it's it seems to me it's it, that when things go wrong in New Zealand rugby, there's just oh, yeah. degrees of worse. <laughs> <Like> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 just mean- it's just mad, mate. Like like it. Like are, th- are things as dire as they appear from outside New Zealand? Like is it like Eric Banner in Black Hawk Down, with looting in the streets and wild panic and shrieks of All Blacks down, All Blacks down? Is it like? Is it that bad? <laughs> Oh, it's worse than that. Um, <laughs> uh, I
2: mean, first off, Black Hawk Down is a very historically inaccurate movie, but this is this is for sure. real. This is uh, mm. the, where we're the countries at uh, Defcon 5. it's <laughs> a bad
0: one, right? I think it's so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anyway.
2: So, I mean, you ask, is it as bad? I mean, you can historically look at all black results. You can compare... Teams to one another. It's only actually been this bad twice before, and once it was in 1949 when the All Blacks toured South Africa and and um, played another All Black team back in New Zealand to play against the the Wallabies. And so the All Blacks are the only team to have ever lost two tests on the same day. There you go. You <laughs> but that was pretty bad, um yeah. but of course that was in 1949. Um, and then the more recent example, uh, which I'm sure Australian fans are pretty uh, happy to remember is in 1998 yeah, uh, and South African fans as well um, when they lost five in a row. But the difference between that and now is those five tests were very close. And this was pre-TMO mm. and with the mm. benefit of hindsight, they all pretty much just sort of came down to like, like three of those tests came down to one call each that uh, had mm. the TMO been involved, could have gone the other way. Um, And also those are against very good Wallaby and uh, Springbok teams. There was a Springbok team that won 17 tests in a row and a Wallaby team that won the World Cup the next year. So, you know, still by all black standards, it's unacceptable. So this, to have this happen, to be beaten in a series at home for the first time since 1994, to be beaten in a three-test series for the first time since 1996, uh, it's it's new for a lot of people. It really, really is. And we've got a situation where... We are talking about a coach being fired, which is the first time that would have ever happened in all black rugby. That's yeah. how unprecedented this was.
0: You, you had a you had a great um, a great paragraph in that fantastic analysis piece you wrote for um, for the RNZ website on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and it just said. Ireland have gone from being a fun little sideshow to a team that now possesses a majority of players that have beaten the All Blacks more times than they've lost to them. A child born last year in New Zealand has had to endure more All Blacks losses to Ireland in their lifetime than a 100-year-old who passed away in 2019. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's it's it's funny, fantastic funny picture-telling.
2: Yeah, funny thing about that is both of those statements that I made in there have been taken completely the wrong way by people on Twitter. Um, a lot of Irish people of have only read the slideshow book, um, so I have to clarify that I said that you used to be a slideshow, and now you're a very good thing. Yeah. So if anyone Irish listening, that's not what I mean. Mm. Um, and then a few other people who thought that I was literally being serious about um, the welfare of children in New Zealand, but that was actually <laughs> a shout. Out. That was actually a shout out to my son who was born last year. Who um, it took me until yeah 2018 to record. Two losses against the Irish, and within one year of his life, he's managed to um, have more than that. He's so that, that was four, that was that it? was what yeah. that was referencing. So it's, Jamie, the, uh, it's you know, a
0: great reference. It's a great. Jamie, reference. You're the
1: you're the new Jonathan Swift of rugby. Yeah, your <laughs> satire was, was lost <laughs> about the children in Ireland.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, was uh, just
1: so Jamie, I, I wanted to ask you as well. In that article, you talked about mediocrity. And it actually struck yeah. me because for me, as a Bach fan growing up and in, in the wee hours watching your uh, almost invincible players, your teams, I had one article of faith. And it actually, you know, this Ireland win has made me uh, think about lots of things like what, what can I really believe in? Because I believed in the all black backlash. It was, mm-hmm. a, it, was a, it was a doctrine, it was a thing in rugby that you could count on. And when Sam Kane was sledged by Peter Amani, I just felt like the all Blacks took it like, "Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, (laughs) It was almost
0: like like there was a level of agreement to it or something.
1: And then he and Bundyaki are taking people's chicken in Wellington. I mean, I, I didn't (laughs) understand the meekness. Here's where I'm going with it. I think the mediocrity, it it could not have happened in one moment or because of Foster. I mean, it has to be bigger than that, right? Something slid in the culture that would allow Ireland to come to your shores and clown and just have fun. Yeah. It just didn't. It didn't seem possible to me. What do you think about absolutely.
2: that? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, firstly, on the Bundy, I keep Peter Omani chicken incident. That is absolutely standard behaviour for Courtney Place, in Wellington, on on a Saturday night. So good <laughs> yeah. on them for a yeah. the local. Country. Yeah. Um, fair, but fair. but uh, to your, to your point, I want to take you back to twenty sixteen. When Ireland first beat the All Blacks in Chicago, and it was a it was a great occasion, um, very entertaining game, um, and a loss that for the New Zealand public at least was like, hey, well that that's what it takes to beat the All Blacks. That is a is a complete yeah. performance. Who and they withstood what a lot of people forget was actually a pretty pretty decent All Black comeback to get within I think a point of the lead, but you know to turn up right at the end and, and seal the game like that was was pretty amazing. So. You know, that that was a moment in history that the All Blacks probably didn't want, but, you know, at the time was kind of accepted pretty well by the New Zealand public. Yeah. So two weeks later, they find themselves back in Dublin. And you've got one of the most violent, brutal test matches that's been played in the in the modern era. And this is sort of just before... They really tightened up the rules on the yeah. head clashes head and, and everything. Yeah. yeah. And Irish people are still angry about this because the All Blacks basically just battered them out of the game. And mm. it was because that was the backlash that you get when you dare beat the All Blacks. It was like, okay, well, we'll be humble and like happy with the defeat. Uh, sorry, not happy, but like we'll accept yeah. defeat. But the next time we play, you're going to get your ass kicked. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened, like, mm. like figuratively and on the scoreboard. So, you know, to go from that to what we're seeing now, which is we've had three – test, sorry, four test matches against Ireland in a row where the All Blacks have started very poorly. They've conceded the first points in every single test. It's taken them – as you go through the test matches, longer and longer to actually do something about it to the point where they faced their biggest deficit in their history at half time on Saturday night. Mm. And so the issue we have is that, like you mentioned, Harry, you have this, this backlash, you can count on it. We can't count on that anymore. And that's what made mm. the All Blacks the All Blacks. And that's why I wrote that column, because I'm like, if you accept that, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, well, Ireland deserve to win. Yes, they, they deserve to win. That's fine. But I want to see the backlash. I want to see the fight. I want to see you try yeah. and to yeah. go out and test and get progressively worse in the response to a good team playing good rugby is completely unacceptable. As yeah, it's completely unthinkable. It's making me angry just kind of sitting here thinking about it. <laughs> you know? I, I, I just, it's not what it's not what we are about as a, as a rugby nation, and it's like I said, it's the one thing that we did better than anyone else was revenge, and yeah. sitting straight. It's it's in our DNA as as rugby players, and to see this all black team not possess that
0: hurts. Yeah, it's it's been. Like as, as someone who has been on the receiving end of more all-black defeats than anyone should have to sit through in a, in a lifetime and to know exactly about that backlash and that bounce back that you talk about, because it's almost always been the case that Australia, you know, win in Brisbane or win in Perth like that, and then the next week go to Eden Park and holy yeah. shit, what just happened? To see it not happening in Wellington like, like I think we all thought there would be something. There'd be a response of some sort. That's been the most surprising part about it all. And had you have said before the series kicked off that Ireland were going to win two one, you probably could have gone, well, all right, they're going to have to play bloody well to do it. But had you have been told at the same time that they're going to win two one and they're going to win by eleven points and ten points, you'd have you'd have put someone in to get their head red. Like that, just there's no and- way they would lose a second game by the by, by the same amount. And those were very flattering score lines
2: to the All Blacks. Mm. They
0: were, yeah. It's yes, one of those things where, it's like,
2: the margin—the margin was ten. It might as well have been thirty. It was, and it was yeah. the same in Dublin as well. So those three yeah. losses that were recorded, and the other thing I want to mention is the one test the All Blacks won. That could have gone either way. Anyway, I know the scoreline yeah. got blown out, but had it not been for that period at the end of the first half, where the All Blacks just sort of put on a very all Blacks like a very Crusaders like just blitz where they just, just yeah took full toll of a couple of uh, bad Irish mistakes and kind of sewed the game up at halftime. You you probably would have been looking at a you, you're looking at a much closer game there, and so you take yeah. that ten minutes away, and then you start to think, okay, how much good rugby did the All Blacks actually play in this series? Like how many minutes? And it's it's less than it's less than a half, really, mm. because I don't think there was really. Any of it in Dunedin, um, there was you know some pretty decent uh, uh, stuff in Wellington, but it was individual brilliance. You know, yeah. and the yeah. thing that yeah. gets me, the thing that gets me is that like I, an all black team that is just relying on passing the ball to the best guy, you, you know, the Arty, your your Will Jordans, is that's not a game plan. That's what kids do. And yeah. it's the All Blacks. They, they should be yeah. pulling up. And then you look at what the Irish were doing. You look at the way this tries they were scoring. That's stuff they, that Andy Farrell had planned before that even got here.
0: Yeah. You know, to isolate
2: yeah. the tight boards like that. And to have your centres running it at, at holes. And to be scoring touch rugby tries. Because that's what yeah. they were.
0: Yeah. You know, I yeah. Saw, well, Jamie, I
1: saw an article today that analysed how the Irish found the props how they found mm. the all black props, and it was, you know, deviously smart. And in the end, uh, almost 30% of the missed tackles of all blacks were by the props. And that's phenomenal because it, it takes a lot of actual planning to find it. And so the word planning makes that's, sense to that's me. That's coordination. Like, isn't it? Yeah, it's precision. And the points of attack, you know, before you just had to get to Sexton, you just smash him mm. and you're done because the, everything was, you know, you follow the Sexton, you get the ball. And then they actually made Keenan a second playmaker and then Henshaw was making plays and you, and you have some of the forwards like Ty who can make mm. plays and they were coming at uh, New Zealand and all these channels. And it just, it, I always wondered about that. Like to me, all black props were always mobile, uh, ready to tackle, ready to carry, mm. ready to play. Tied forwards were different from other tight forwards. And to me in this series, it was the Irish forwards. It was the Irish yeah. um, multi faceted mm. attack that caught my eye and New Zealand looked, like you said, just waiting for a Yoni to do something magical, or Boden Barrett to intercept something. It it wasn't really a plan.
2: No, no. And I mean, that's the difference between tactics and strategy. And tactics is gonna win you a battle, strategy is gonna win you a war. And the Irish came with the strategy, which was that identified uh, the soft underbelly of the All Blacks, which is the props. Um, I hate to say it, um, mm-hmm. but you know there there isn't anyone in there that I'm really looking at going. You're really well right now, and they ideed that the defence was was going to be bad. They ideed that there was uh, discipline problems. You know, like they should have had a penalty try in that in that second test. Yeah, um, you know, offered yeah. offered of, off of was really lucky there, um, and they took advantage of the fact that the slow. Um, and aren't going to be able to make that extra yard to make a tackle. And they just knifed through them. And, yeah. and that was the strategy uh, that they came here with. And they built on it. Yeah. You know, the, the tour started slowly. They had two losses. But they knew they were going to get better. And I think that after that first test, I think Andy Farrell would have walked into that tr- changing room and said, boys, don't worry, we've got this. Because I saw enough yes. out there to not... Yes. Enough out there to work on that we yeah. can win next week, and then we can win the week after. So don't sweat it. Yeah, it
0: might have it might have been the happiest Monday review after a loss in a long, long time. I'd, I'd reckon. So, so give it. I mean, try and give us an idea of how mad the fallout has become, mate. Because what we've seen from the outside is that New Zealand rugby, in their in their wisdom, cancelled a coach's press conference uh, on on Sunday morning, a couple of hours out, and now it is just a race for quotes. And the article that caught my eye today was John Hart, of all people, saying the best thing New Zealand rugby now can do is put, you've already got Wayne Smith there, just drag Scott Robinson and Leon McDonald in and get those three working together. So if we've gone to that level of forward planning and punditry, what on earth being said amongst you guys uh, behind the scenes?
2: Uh, I. Well, we probably don't have enough time to, to get through it all. But, I mean, the fact that John Hart, of all people, is, is, is weighing in, given that the last time it, the, the, the debate about the All Blacks and the All Black coaching staff was this heated, was when he was in charge. Was when
0: he was in charge, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> was, um it's really something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've 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 had a bit to do with uh, John and he's a he's a very astute man and a very good uh, talker. And if I mean if you wave a microphone within hundred feet of him, he'll he'll definitely have something to go. <laughs> so but but the fact that he can he's saying that he feels confident in himself to say that is, is yeah. like I said, really something. Um I mean it's it, it makes it might seem hysterical uh to to other other countries um but then again like i said you know it's more than just losing it's it's about who the all blacks are yeah and if you you keep going on like this they're not going to be the all blacks anymore and so you have to do something about it um the general consensus is that joe schmidt is probably going to get some sort of uh, job realignment and to make yeah. him more of a coach than a selector, um, yeah. and the reason reason behind that is because uh, then NZ rugby don't have to admit that they've done anything wrong, um, and they can so <laughs> <take>, mm, <laughs> they, they they never they they never they will never do, yeah, um, and so then the hiring and make him some sort of like director of rugby role, so then the hiring and firing of coaches is his his role. And yeah. so, therefore, um, if he does make changes, it's his call, not, not NZ Rugby's. And then the board doesn't have to take, yeah. take the rap or what was a you know some bad decisions. So that's the general thought of what's going to happen. Um, there has been quite a bit of talk about Robertson and whether... Uh, it's actually fair to sort of give him the job now, you know, given that the, it's not where he wants to start. He, if he was mm-hmm. going to take the job, it would be at the start of a World Cup cycle where he can just sort of have a clean slate. He's inheriting yeah. he's inheriting someone else's team. So yeah. that, to me, would be a reason why uh, he might just be like, ah, no, I'll just hang out with the Crusaders for another season or so. So, you know, it's... I'll just it's interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. So Joe, so Joe um, could be the Joe could be the new Rossi.
0: <laughs>
2: I think so. I think if, I think uh, that
0: that's I, I, I look mean, forward to uh, the Joe Schmidt 62 a, minute videos. I hope a Twitter
2: account. and I hope he turns into Raspberry Erasmus because yeah. um, I do like the idea of not that I think Joe Schmidt would do this, but like someone who kind of has a bit more freedom to to talk about stuff. Mm. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I don't think Joe Schmidt would do it, but I, I feel like Foster stepping down is a real, just falling on a sword is a real possibility, perhaps in the next few days. Um, that, that was going to be
0: my question, mate. If, if something happens, is it is it likely to be this week? Because we what, what are we with? We're, we're two and a half weeks out from the start of the rugby championship. So is it going to be well, this week?
2: Well, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner because it really should have happened... By now, because they're naming the team to go to South Africa, uh, I think it's tomorrow. Um, and, yeah, and, Wednesday. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and the big, and the only, the first question that's going to be asked about that is, well, who's coaching them? Who's, who's going to coach them? Yeah. Um, and unless they can unequivocally say, "Oh, the current coaches," because uh, Mark Robinson, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby, has, has come out and. Put a statement saying that you know the, the, these losses are unacceptable. It's like yeah, well we we know that, but at least I will give <laughs> yeah. I give him one I give him one bit of credit here. It's the first bit of truth I've heard from NZ Rugby around this whole thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's nice to actually hear him being sort of upfront and honest about yeah. it. Like I can agree with that, but I I just think that the conservative nature of that organisation, coupled with their inability to possibly admit that they've they've ever done anything wrong means that I th- I I think there's about a 50-50 chance. If Foster isn't gonna walk, he'll go to South Africa with the team. And then yeah. after those two tests, we're gonna have a much clearer picture. Yeah. But then again, we said that at the start of this Irish series. Like I would have thought his job would have like he he uh, if he was going to lose this test series, he would have quit on Saturday night. I mean, he, yeah. he should have quit
1: a hard point. I mean, I feel like he did. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he, his body language looked like a man who had accepted his fate. It was, it was almost like a slow motion crumbling. He was like a melting figure. And um, I was wondering, you know, that's one thing. Okay, change the coach, fine. But your point in your article was bigger. There are, there's more wrong. I mean, maybe Peter Armani was right about Sam Kane. Maybe... Um, there aren't any other props that you can pick right now. Maybe, um, you know, it, it, super rugby wasn't preparatory. I don't know. There are lots of, you know, there's bigger issues you can talk about, about, about how you go from here, from South African tour to the World Cup and actually become um, a fearsome team again. But, um, yeah, to me, Ian Foster looked like a man who just was completely giving up. That's mm-hmm. what he. To me, he looked like a guy in the coaching box who was done.
2: Yeah, I think, I think he's the personification of what the, how the team's playing, which is that they've run out of ideas. And, mm. you know, I, I've i always thought that the, the way that coaches are portrayed during a game as in being put in their little box with their little security camera up in the corner, which makes them look small. And it, may, <laughs> and it, and it picks up every little uh, mannerism that you just – alluded to it just does them absolutely no favors at all if i was yeah. in rugby coaching i would demand to be on the sideline with my players so i could be shot at a low angle like the football <laughs> manager, yeah, <laughs> And be, yeah i'm serious yeah. i'm serious yeah about this. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I i would not want to be shown like with a with a high from, from high up it's in just, the corner yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It just it just makes it with paper it makes you yeah, look brush. like a shoplifter yeah. it makes you look like a yeah. shoplifter and and I would want to be down, <laughs> being part of the action, being part of the slideshow, yelling at, at the touchline. I think that's something we should should look at. But I mean, it, it, well, it's, it's good about that.
1: Uh, Jamie, if you watch the top 14, we have Rona Nagara right next to another coach. And they actually get words. They start actually yeah. becoming like chest bumping. It's actually, yeah. you can imagine the fireworks between Eddie Jones and Rossi Erasmus or something like that yeah. on the sideline. It would be great. But, um,
2: put them 10 feet away from each other having the most diametrically emotional reactions uh, diametrically opposed emotional reactions to every situation yeah. how good would that be how good Te- would that be
0: technical zones with a fourth official between yeah. them be, it would be fantastic absolutely. mate i'll I'll leave, you, um, I'll leave you with with one curly question before we let you go if if things go absolutely pear-shaped in south africa for the all blacks will Ian Foster see at the at the rugby championship I mean,
2: I think they've already gone pear-shaped. And if you if you mean two losses in South Africa, I think the the general consensus in New Zealand was that was already on the cards anyway. Because if you can't if you're gonna lose to Ireland and Dublin and you're gonna lose to France and Paris, you're gonna lose to the Springboks in January, right? Yeah. So I think that a lot of people had already kind of written those tests off because of course, given the history. Um, there's a very good book um, you can read on this. Uh, <laughs> that, that it is still it is still accepted that pl- uh, playing South Africa in South Africa is kind of the only acceptable loss the All Blacks can can have. So yeah. I mean, it depends on the the manner of them. It depends on the nature of them. If you if you can see some sort of backlash, if you can see some sort of fight, if you can see some sort of determination out of them, then yeah. But if they're just going to get humped again. Uh, then you gotta really question like what their motivation is to be playing for this, not just Foster as well. Like it's on his whole staff and not, yeah. not just the coaches. I mean, they've got a mental skills coach in there. It's like, how's that guy sleeping at night right now? Like, how's he drawing a paycheck? Mental skills, like what's he been doing for the last three years? So I um I, I think that it it really comes down to more the way they play than the the results yeah. themselves.
0: Yeah, Mate, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this plays out. As I say, watching on from afar, we're, we're seeing things about New Zealand rugby and about the All Blacks and reactions to the All Blacks that we've just not had to experience before. So it's absolutely fascinating to see how it all plays out. Um, thanks so much for, for giving up some time for us from, from Fiji. Um, we, will, we will watch on from afar and, and observe.
2: Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. It's always awesome, and um, yeah, anytime. Rugby on the roar.
0: Harry, fantastic to speak with Jamie Wall again, um, and you can hear the you could hear the pain and the frustration. You can like we're not we're not used to seeing this in in New Zealanders. It's really really yeah. fascinating to watch. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, and Jamie's a, a really articulate guy, and everyone yeah. should read his pieces on this because he actually unwraps it, and you can feel the the deep pain. But I would say, in um, in defense of Jamie, Foster would be a particularly annoying coach if he was my coach and he looked like that, <clears throat> acted like that. I just want to see someone go down, angry, fighting uh furious i don't know there's something very calm about him almost uh yeah like uh, i will accept and this is happening and there's no way to change it And I, yeah i just think sometimes you gotta throw a chair you got to do something you're gonna lose your rag and, and yeah. say this is the third test you know you know build up some sort of fake drama or something but he, yeah. he just seemed like he accepted it
0: for, for all of michael checker's faults you knew exactly how he felt about something there was just there was exactly. there was just there was just no question there um, yeah. but we're going to um, use this little this this second segment just to sort of touch base on 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 our own sides the, the springboks and the, and the wallabies going forward for for now so let me ask you what what has been the reaction to the 2-1 win over wales has it been seen as as acceptable and that was sort of what was expected or is 2-1 actually below par for this box side
1: Yes, that's a very good question. I think there's maybe three different camps that look at this in different ways. The one camp is, um, um, you know, Jacques and Rossi have never let us down. They have a plan, uh, believe in the plan. You know, we got more out of Test 2 than you think, you know, because we got to see um, new players We even unearthed a new nine, which is unusual in Test Rugby to find someone so that Faf doesn't own the nine jersey. You know, Jaden Hendricks have stepped up. Uh, Other guys, you could see that they belong to Test Rugby, Ifan Ruiz, um, Korthy Arensa, it turns out fortuitous because Sheslam Colby broke his jaw. So there's that camp that just says, you know, um, it's all about World World Cup. It's all about the overall plan. Individual tests in a friendly series doesn't matter as much. They're not Mm -hmm. as connected to the clean sheet. We never lost to Wales and Republic. There's a second camp. Uh, represented by Skulkberger's father. If you wanna actually watch a really good Twitter storm, watch Rossi, Umm Rossi, Uncle Rossi versus Uom Skulk. And they are going to war with each other. Um, I think they may have made peace for the third test, but for a while there it was really awkward because these two legends who actually, I think crossed paths as players, maybe Rossi was a ball boy, uh, you know, respect the clean ledger, respect every test. Um, yeah. You always put the best team on the field for a springbok test. Um, there's that camp. We're called in the old timers. And yes. then there's a third, which is probably where I sit, which is it was super interesting mm-hmm. to see uh, 42 players um, try to be rotated in a three test series. And that was mm-hmm. the announced intention. And Ninaber said before they started, everyone will play. And the second test identity was known for three weeks. That's yep. proven actually. It looked like before. that, didn't it? Yeah, and but then you had so many chops and changes that there was no way you could expect them to win against a thousand cap, ten lion Wales team. Mm. That is red. That was the team that would play in the quarterfinal. I mean, that's yeah. If if Australia runs into Wales, they would play that's the, the same. team. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, it was arrogant, and I didn't like it because I would have liked them to bring in three of those guys instead of six. Um, yeah. You know, five changes instead of 12 or 14, whatever it was. And um, I, I, I just think there was a way to explore uh, guys like Ruiz and Cell uh, without throwing um, Marvin Ari and uh, a, a completely debutante prop who actually yeah. made the mistake at the end of the game that probably lost the game. Uh, just naivete. So I think, you know, overall, that's the three ideas about the series um yeah people were happy to see rugby people were happy to see the box play so in a way it kind of paled into insignificance that second loss yeah um, and the third loss the manner of the win the third test probably made everyone feel pretty good because yeah. it was dominant and by the end the, the was, third the, the whole series was dominant actually yeah
0: yeah yeah, the, 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 the way the, the play
1: the the play went was very dominant. But, the, but Wales has just this incredibly stubborn, awkward, effective, yeah. Yeah. beautiful, perfectly pure rugby. In my opinion, I'm not going to bash them for running. You know, so little and, and that's just the way they play against the box. Yeah. and smart. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 smart rugby. You're you're right. They they knew. They Played to their own limitations, didn't they? So, exactly. so you, you mentioned you, you mentioned 42 players used, and it's it's an incredible number in a three test series. Um, when the Wallabies used 32 and that was injury force for most of it. So, yeah. so what do you now know about the squad that perhaps you didn't know a month ago? And I think you probably touched on that so with a couple of new players,
1: yeah. So, I think Rossi and, and, and Jacques also used this, um, the second test, um, uh, to dispel some myths. So, there was a lot of support in the Republic for Marcel Coutier to uh, he's better than Circulisi. And I think yep. in a way, maybe it's just devious. They said, let's give you a side by side. It was kind of cooked because Marcel Coutier was surrounded by a debutante, Evan Ruiz, and a yep. very, yeah. very rusty Peter Stefan toy coming back yeah. from you know, you know, sixteen months, you know. So yeah. I'm not I'm not and then you know the locks were not right. um, household names besides even so it's it was kind of an unfair test, but there was that stacked and the deck André, of it, didn't they? Yeah, Andre Esteje is a yeah. big push for him to, you know, the, I think he's one of the players of England season. And then people like to bash Damien Delende. But, I mean, you saw the difference when you saw these two players uh, actually having to come from a standing start, test rugby, not Harlequin rugby. So I think there was that. I think we learned that some people are not. And we also learned there were a few people who could. Damien Bubsa, for example, had one of the best uh, runs of tests for the box uh, he's he's actually still young, 24, yeah. uh, and yeah. he looked like he was composed. He, you know, he, I think the, the the public accepts him as a ice cool competitor now. I think Billy Larue also was one of those guys who benefited by not praying in some ways, and then he came in and rescued. You know, he was the rescuer. Yep. Uh,
0: Old spiders Larue, cutting to the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course, um, I I think there were
1: there was it was it was interesting to see the number eight. So it's, you know, Vermillion. so Dwayne Vermillion is coming back. And so was, in a way, this is all waiting to see how fit he is. But now you have the Oscar Visa, you have Efan Ruiz, and you have L.I. Yeah. Uh, Lowe, all. So it's a very nice choice. I think we're small for choice. These There's one position, one position only that I think Bok fans are really still scratching their head over. So it's number 10. Yeah. And it's just such a huge yeah. drop-off from uh, Andre Pollard, to the next whoever it is, whoever Whoever it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So you've covered off the question I was going to ask you about issues just nicely there. So what should we expect? And I'll get something I'm definitely asking this from an Australian point of view, because the box are coming here in, in late August and September. So what should we expect from the spring box during the rugby championship? So
1: I think the box have the basis of their world cup team and they, um, they're nipping at the edges to see who third strings are, who, number, who players 34, 35 are. So I think they're against Australia, like you could see some players like Aronsa or um, uh, Fassi get a run. But I think the overall game plan is going to remain the same, which is um, using defense as attack. So yep. the quality, quality of ball that like, comes from a still um, dominant tackle. I think it was very high for the box. Yep. I think um, trying to do seven, eight, nine phases. And they did it against Wales because they had to. Because Wales said, we're yeah. never going to let you tackle us. Yeah. We're never going to run. So yeah. you are starved because, of your
0: attack. Because so, we're not going to have the ball here. Have right. it again.
1: Yeah. So And yeah. we are just going to snaffle every four or five. So I think I think you won't see that play out quite the same way Australia does, does like to play. And so I think um, it's going to be a question of, will Australia clean uh, quickly enough and... Um, and will they be able to string it together? Otherwise, it'll be I think a better show than the last time the box were there, hopefully because i'll be I'll be there and I'm gonna be dying if we get rolled like by <laughs> like ten tupo. But I do think yeah. um, it, it's coalescing. I I think the word I would use is the the box have coalesced and they should get a little bit better from here the rest of the year. Yeah, right. That will be interesting. So, so how about you? I mean, yeah. I think the more the much more fascinating series, the most fascinating series. So the Ireland series was shocking. I couldn't believe what I was watching, and Wales yep. couldn't hang, even though they had a thousand caps. They just they just had a power deficit. England and Australia was a proper series but mm. you feel like they could have played three more, and it would still be down to the wire and mm. plot twists. Um, mm. So looking back on it as a whole, not not focusing on the agony of the third test, what was, how do you see that whole test now? How do you think it will be
0: remembered? oh good question good question i i think i i actually really think unfortunately that the whole series is going to be remembered on the sydney loss probably mm. and that's and that's actually going to be unfair because they played some really really good rugby um, across the series played the, the comeback and to take the lead and dominate the second half and win in perth was fantastic like we mm. we haven't seen the wallabies being able to like, you know, not just claw themselves back into a contest, but to actually then get on top and then dominate and then run away with it. We haven't seen that from a wallaby side in a long, long time. So then, you yeah, know, things were, things were looking and feeling really, really good. You then go to Brisbane and, you know, they're down, what was it, 19-3 at halftime and thinking, well, okay, all right, they're going to come back in this. And they just couldn't get there. And the reaction to that was, uh, okay. We've actually seen this before. And so then comes Sydney when the scoreline was much, much closer. And it was, you know, it was 11-10 at half time, and it was, the lead changed a couple of times. But again, it was it was the execution errors. It was the mistakes under pressure. It was the silly options. It was the flick passes at knees and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kicks out on the full for, and from, you know, was it pass back? Was it not passed back? I don't know. Who, who knew? Yeah. And, again, I was like, oh, God, they're still doing this. Like, so-, yeah,
1: so that sounds like uh, pressure, composure, poise, a lack of poise.
0: Yeah, uh, all of that. Is
1: that is that something um, – so does the Australian public, rugby public, dislike losing to England more than to other countries? I mean, is it, is it one yeah. of those things where you go, oh, ah, yeah. not to England again?
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And, and what's – you know, like the, the win in Perth broke the streak of – what was it? Ten straight – England right. wins. so so at least it was that. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine if England won tw- one three nil again? Was, oh god, we haven't right. beaten him in thirteen tests. Eddie Jones has never lost to Australia. Yeah, so at are least
1: our in, instant, instant reaction pods would have been like a, a funeral oh, There
0: wouldn't, wouldn't have been. <laughs> there wouldn't have been a second one. We would have just gone. No, nah, this is going to work. We won't worry about it. <laughs> so yeah, look, I think I think there is that element, like, and and that's probably that's probably the Australian way in any sport, like. You know even when on the cricket front you know through the, you know, the mid2000s 2010 11 England had a fantastic cricket team but even then there was still an expectation that, that Australia would win the ashes. <laughs> that, the expectation was there the whole time. So yeah there's there's a there's always a feeling that the that, 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 that New Zealand are going to have Australia's measure because that has been the way it has been for the last 20 years. But even when England have been the number one side in the world, there's an expectation and a feeling that we can definitely yeah. beat them. And then an annoyance when it doesn't happen.
1: So Australia lost a lot of injury through the series. And a lot of other countries would have featured that in their explanations. I know, like, I think yeah. two years ago, a year ago, Wales prefaced every match by "We were injury ravaged. And then yeah. they would, you know, go and play and, and only lose it to France by four points. But um, and I think Eddie Jones had he suffered the same amount of injuries as Australia would have also talked about it yeah. a lot. Dave Rennie never did, and he seemed to accept it very calmly. Um, but you did get to see some players that you hadn't expected to see play a lot of yeah. minutes. Of those players, you know, like Noah, um, yeah. you know, who who kind of seemed like they validated, and and who uh, the locks, you know, you get to see some locks that you probably didn't expect yeah. a year ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, like C- Caden Neville, who 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 played two tests and or one test in 10 minutes, uh, or 20 minutes, it might have been, um, he looked to test player straight away. It's like, mm. oh, it's it's all like it was it was almost a travesty that he hadn't been able to play a test until 30, yeah. 33. Like, you, you know, ha- how has he not played a test? He was he was excellent. He was really, really good. Nick Frost is what is he, 22, 23, and he has the look of a guy, and Darcy Swain's actually the same. They they just look, um, there might have been a question whether they might be able to step up, but now there's no question at all. They can play Test test Rugby. There's no question about them at all. I think no one expected, certainly, to see Noah Lolicio play 10 for three tests. No one ex- expected that. The expectation was that Quade Cooper would play all three tests and Lolicio might get, Forty-five or fifty minutes off the bench across the three tests, mm. yeah. um, you know, maybe not even that much. So, and there's a bit of criticism around for him, and he wasn't able to get attacks of spark and all that sort of stuff. You know, young tens behind a beaten pack are going to battle with that any time. But what I think he did show was that he is—I think he is definitely next in line. Um, and and and, he, and while ever we haven't seen, and, and you know, because they've not debuted we still don't know what the likes of Donaldson or Harrison or, you know, Tane Edmund uh, are, are going to do. We don't, there's there's other 10s around the country, but they're young and they're even more green than, than those New South Wales guys that I mentioned. So I think Noel Olusio has established himself as next in line. And that's that's an important step because while ever the, uh, the, the foreign player allowance remains as it is, Dave Rennie can only pick three of them at a time. And so there's going to be times where he says, all right, do we need Cooper and Arnold and Corabetti or do we need Karevi now? Do we Who do we drop here? Do we drop Corabetti? Do we drop Cooper? So there's going to be times where Cooper isn't available for whatever reason. And so it's important that the next in line is there and knows the systems and is, is ready to go. So I think that's a that's a big winner. I think Tom Wright definitely, definitely mm-hmm. gets a, a big thumbs up this series, just came in and did the job at, at not much notice. And I think Andrew Kelleway, although we didn't see a lot of him, just again underlined his value that we really saw grow rapidly last year.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, you know, my article that I just wrote has some good reaction from Aussies about Hooper the player, exemplary, never yeah. say die, first test win, the sort of a Hooper personality, right? You just never give up, yeah. I'll tackle till I'm dead, I'm never going to stop moving. But it sometimes lacks an ability tactically agility in the middle of a match to say like you know like you know really good players smith or uh, mccall were able to change box and all Blacks play on the field in the middle of the match saying yeah Yeah. i'm not even waiting for a coach to tell us i'm telling you what to do and um and i I wondered about that when i when people weighed in they said but what's the option you know and so there was the nick white option people have their their reservations one guy was funny he said well, Andrew Kelloway is the smartest Wallaby. <laughs> I thought that is not stupid. I mean, I'm just saying I wouldn't, put make mm-hmm. him captain. But to, to give Kellaway a um, a pat on the back, the guy really understands how to play rugby union. Yeah, he's a yeah. very clever player, and so you have some really good young players coming up that I think do have the poise. I didn't think the backline was a problem, and I would pick no. Karevi first every and every time. Um, yeah, he's just unbelievable from the outside. He just looks like the best player in the Wallabies, but. I thought the loose trio did lose to the Englands, to England's loose trio. Yep. I mean, over the three tests, there were some yep. ups and downs. I thought your best carriers were a little bit quiet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I, can, yeah. I can I can I can see that. I, I mentioned on Saturday night in the instant reaction pod that I thought Valentini had a bit of a disappointing series. And Jim mentioned that he wanted more wanted to see more out of Rob Liotta and obviously he uh, got got benched for the third test harry wilson i feel a bit sorry for harry wilson because yeah. he's almost on hide, hiding to nothing to come in come yeah. come in for the deciding test and he either had to have the game of his life um or anything less than that wasn't going to be good enough and it, it was it's a really hard way to, to perform but i i agree with you i think the the wallaby back row was outpointed and i'm not sure of the way forward on that because i don't I'm quite sure that the back row that was played isn't probably the back row that Dave Rennie had in his mind two weeks out from the first test. Uh, I don't think we ever got to see who he really wanted to play because I think he wanted to play Jed Holloway at six. Uh, and that would be yeah, and that really would have been, to see.
1: And that would have been nicer to see because you have yeah, yeah. I think Ludlam and Laws bring this sort of really aggro to the game. To They're good, good carriers yeah. as well, but they really hit every ruck so hard. Law- had, Laws, I mean, is, Laws is interesting. Carrier. Yeah.
0: Laws, Laws is interesting. You know, and I said to either Rob Kitson or Mick Cleary, I can't remember which one it was in, but I, I raised the question about Laws going sideways in, into lock. And and the response was, oh, no, I'm not really sure. The more I see of him at six, the more I would love to see an Australian lock back row hybrid, sort yeah. of number six like yeah. that. I mean, his ability on the ball for a big man is en- is enormous, like absolutely incredible. He come up with so many... Really, really big plays in that second half when England just kept finding a way to stay ahead. And yeah, that's 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 going to be one of the things that Wallabies are going to try and address now. They've just got to they've got to find that little bit of forward pack balance because I don't think it's quite there yet. And I mean, that's just one of several big challenges in front of Dave Rennie now with the, the Rugby Championship only a few weeks away.
1: I think the good news though, you found a hooker. Um, Peretti yep, looked like the goods and I think and, the f- Type
0: 5... Falao was really, yeah. really, really good off the bench and there's been questions about him in the past so... The Type
1: 5 did fine you know, in their set pieces and core functions there were some open field charges by Ellis Gens, but that's not really a reflection yep. of head-to-head. I no. thought that it was not really there. I, I really think it, the, the conundrum is how to play loose forwards, how to, the ones you have, how to play them, not so much who they are I think you, have, I think you yeah. know the Five, yeah. six best loose forwards but how to play them you know are you stationing a harry smith in the wider channels are you are you finding a way to bring Valentini into the game more yeah. do you want someone to clean rucks and be a ruck monkey you know bouncer yeah. or do you not i mean and i think and, part of that complication is when you have hooper in there and uh, again i've never bashed hooper never going to bash hooper i think he's the heart of a lion unbelievably yeah. brave because he's so small and he's going up against these monsters yeah. but I just think the balance is always tricky and it's been tricky as yeah. long as he's been around
0: and, and I think and I think the, the criticism of Hooper comes because I, I don't think Hooper played uh, any differently to how he's played for the last couple of years but no. when 6 and 8 aren't quite having the same impact that they were this time last year then Hooper's game becomes more obvious and then you start focusing on what he is doing and what he's not doing, and you know what he's never done, and all that sort of stuff. So that's so. So the criticism on Hooper is a, is a little bit unfair in that regard because he's effectively just taking the heat for what was a misfunctioning back row as a unit, effectively. So
1: yeah, yeah. Ba- Balance so is going to be the uh, question. Leo- and you're you're on your bench. You had Leota and Samu for the third test. So it's actually a very interesting yeah. five Lucies if you think about it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, Pete Samu was fantastic. He just, He's just his, his utility value is so good. Um, and I'm, I'm actually I'm really really happy for him because there was a period of time there going into last year where he wasn't sure whether he was going to play Test Test Rugby again. And, and there were definitely questions about whether he should whether he would go overseas um so yeah really really happy that he was able to that he's that his role is feels like it's cemented um, and that's going to be the way it is going forward the role Uh, so, mate, the rugby championship begins the weekend of August six and seven, and we'll obviously uh, getting into that in a little bit more depth in the coming weeks. A little bit of news floating around again this week: um, smart mouthguards are going to be offered to all women's rugby world cup teams this later this year to help better understand and reduce the, the concussion in the women's game. So, um, yeah, chips and things in bed that gives you data about, you know, collision info and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's interesting. it be interesting to see how much that's actually taken up by the teams. Uh, the, Real, the Rugby World Cup qualifiers for 2023. Chile are in, courtesy of their 31-29 win over the USA in Colorado on, on Saturday. They get through on aggregate by one point. That's a hell of a series, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's great news for for rugby, actually. Horrible for uh, the Eagles, but they do they can still qualify. But it's yes. great for rugby to have a new team uh, in the World Cup. It's great.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, between the US US and Canada, they've played in every World Cup so far. Chile are at, at their maiden tournament, so good luck to them, definitely. Uh, Luke Jones has joined the Queensland Reds for the next three seasons, played six tests and 89 Super Rugby games for the Force and Rebels. Uh, he'd been playing in France most recently with Racing. Um, rugby Australia has received a bit of support in their ongoing um Discussions regarding the future of of Super Rugby, uh, both Stan Sport, the broadcaster, and, and billionaire force benefactor Andrew Forrest, have backed Hamish McLennan in the uh, in the conversations he's having, and, and, and that if splitting the alliance with New Zealand rugby is best for Australian rugby, they've all said go and do it. Uh, the Spanish Federation has announced that it's filing an appeal with the Court of Arbitration for Sport to rescind its exclusion. From the 2023 Rugby World Cup, I said this wasn't over.
1: That's a very interesting story. Watch that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that That, was a little bit that may not not
1: end the way world rugby thinks it does. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. We'll see. We will see. Eddie Jones has been reported as reported to have been approached about rejoining Australian rugby, probably in a director of rugby type role from 2024 supposedly a bombshell according to the headlines, but, you know, an Australian rugby coach in Australia being approached by the Australian rugby governing body about his future plans come on bombshell Um, and Ireland's first series victory ever in New Zealand has sent them uh, vaulting to the top of the world rugby rankings New Zealand remained fourth which is their lowest ever ranking for whatever we think about world rugby rankings but mate I think that is episode 26 of the Raw Rugby podcast done and in the can don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials and don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands Uh, the instant reaction pods as mentioned uh, on Saturday night that will be back in a yet to be determined capacity during the rugby championship but the best way to know what we're doing is to like follow subscribe on your pod platform of choice and then you'll just get every new episode when it drops into your notifications as soon as it's live and Give us a review. I think we got another couple of five-star ratings over the weekend. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week.
1: Come play with us.